what's up? Happy Friday. I am Brian Scott Rippey, my co-conspirator, as always. I should say as always, two for two so far. We'll see where this goes. <laughs> is Colin Brister. The Mailbag Friday is back. The people ho- People's Holiday has returned. I can't talk today. Long awaited, been teasing this all week. We've got your mailbag questions. This is the first Mailbag Friday since I I don't guess, know. Like June. I mean, I got I got canned from oh, yeah. talk in June, so it had to be yeah. sometime around there. Yeah, because the last time we did one together was when they were changing the flag. Yeah, that's right. So we hadn't done yeah. one in quite a while. Yeah, you yeah. guest host a couple with me during the pandemic. You know, when I was you know producing content of having like Nick Suss on to talk about sitcoms and stuff. What a world ago that was. Um, where there was just nothing on television. So yeah, probably probably a little under a year ago since the Mailbag Friday, but it is making its triumphant return. I promised when I moved to Texas that it would not die. I said I would get my own podcast. I think I guaranteed it would happen within a couple weeks, and here we are six months later. So I was pretty you know, like, They have life support for a reason. We, we put it on life support, but maybe we're back. It's back. We, I think I'm making T-shirts this time. Just the people <laughs> holiday, repping it around wherever the hell you live. I, as someone that owns a uh, a t-shirt with Greg Sankey's face on it and a clown nose, I think we can make t-shirts just about anything. People dig the shirts, man. Girlfriend's a graphic design major. I can barely match my socks go. this morning. I don't see colors very well, so that's going to be on her. But we, we, I think we're are making you, the t-shirts you, happen. Are you col- are you colorblind? I am. I have this thing. Uh, I'm not right. like fully colorblind. Like I, you, none of the listeners can see me right now, but you can see I'm wearing a blue shirt. I do know this is blue. <laughs> But I have this like red green colored effect deal where like color and blend not happen. Wait, wait, wait. So like traffic lights, those must be a, a nightmare. So that those are like so that's what they want you to think. Those are obviously different enough, and they they're very nice, and they put red at the top and green at the bottom. Right. So you can get yeah. the gist of it. But yeah. I'm talking if you're getting like a real, I don't know, like darkish greenish brown, and maybe not like a vibrant red. Navy and purple is tough one. Okay. That that kind of stuff. So, dude, I saw a tweet yesterday, and it made me think of you. Um, so you remember when we were doing Rebel Fort, and we went on this tirade that birds aren't real? Yes, we did. We, that, I think that was actually spawned by a Mailbag Friday question. It absolutely was. That. It absolutely was. Um, people think that the pandemic was for the government to change the batteries in the birds. Oh, I had not thought about this. Why did yeah, they have a point. Because it's the government? I guess there's a lot of birds out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know. They they made everybody go inside, and, and uh, you know they talk, the government talks about no man I can't say that. I was gonna say the uh, government talks about global warming and then it's you know snowed everyone out so that's what they were doing they were changing the batteries in the birds. I'm just gonna be honest. I hope that doesn't go too mainstream. Just because if you get that in the mix with the anti-vaxxers and both the anti-maskers, that could uh that could get totally <laughs> quick. Some damage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That could get out of hand, but um, God, you know, some morons just gonna beat the hell out of a bird. Like that's it's not real, anyways. You're gonna see people in the streets hitting pigeons, like looking for you know double A batteries on the inside. There's gonna be like, what's all this blood? Yeah, that's a that's gonna be a tough one. But yeah, that was inspired by a Mailbag Friday question, and I believe the Mailbag Friday question came from a mem- listener in Memphis because it, this all originated from a Memphis billboard, right? Yes, yes. I I also begin like uh, from our Mel Black Friday questions. I'm not saying it's real, but I'm saying that the Helen Helen Keller was uh, not blonde theory is is picking up some steam. 
so now that I think about it, we had a uh, it was a we had a conspiracy theory based that's exactly what we had. right? Yeah. Yeah, we basically just begged people to throw a conspiracy theory at us. Those were a couple good ones. I could probably get behind the bird one, maybe a little more than the Helen Keller thing. Yeah, me too. But honestly, the Helen Keller thing seems a little more believable. So, like, I I would like to believe I would like to get behind the more outrageous one. It's almost like I don't want to get behind the Helen Keller thing because I mean, have you ever seen a picture of Helen Keller? So, um, and and this isn't actually a conspiracy theory. Um, have you ever seen like the story? of Stevie Wonder and Shaq and like the people saying Stevie Wonder is not blind. I have heard this from a lot of people. I'm, I know what you're talking about. I have not seen it myself, but I've heard a, from quite a few people that, that they don't think he's blind, which is They wild. say uh, Shaq told a story that uh, a couple couple years ago on uh, TNT, on their uh, NBA show, the name's escaping me. Uh, they said that Shaq said that he got to his apartment one day and him and Stevie had a condo the same place. He said he was getting on the elevator and the elevator door opened. It was just Stevie by himself. He said, uh, he was walking out, or uh, yeah, Stevie Wonder was walking out, and he looked up at him and said, "What's up, Shaq?" He kept walking. <laughs> well, in fairness to uh, in fairness to Mister Wonder, maybe Shaq stepped on the elevator and he felt it dip down a little bit. And I felt there may be only a few humans in which that could be the case. <laughs> it's like, "What's up, Shaq?" or "Yow." So that's a that's not that dissimilar to. You know, you had Baker Mayfield with the whole UFO side. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that. I mean, that's the equivalent of that, right? Like, Sack's looking around like, no one's going to believe me here. <laughs> the funniest tweet I saw today was uh, someone said, like, putting a picture of Colin Cowherd and was like, uh, yeah, I don't like my quarterback being a UFO guy. U- UFO guys aren't guys that win Super Bowls. I-, I howled at that. Oh, you missed the second part of this. Did you not see what actually happened? Uh-uh. Oh, buddy, you're going to love this. So – this is taking five minutes to get off the rails, but I don't care. Yeah, whatever. So that picture you're talking about where the guy who's a yeah. troll account, obviously there's a million cowherd troll accounts. When you get that right. big, you know, fun house, now that he doesn't have Francesa, great account. Love back after this. Um, he's on the whole cult, troll cowherd thing. But that picture okay. you're talking about happened last night as the UFO thing happened, right? Just right. making fun of it. Cowherd you don't know did that talking, bit on the show Go today. Read. He actually said it. Oh. I'm serious. I'm serious. I think he was playing into it and it was partially tongue in cheek. He went on the air with a straight face today and said, best of my knowledge, because, you know, you've had the goat debate in the news lately because, you know, Joe Montana went on one of those hot take shows and admitted Tom Brady, probably the best of all time. Very humble of Joe. Um, But he said, I, Colin Coward said, and I think I quote, I'm pretty sure Tom Brady has never seen a UFO. Pretty sure Joe Montana has never reported seeing a UFO. This story got crazy. I'm glad you brought this up because then Tom Brady, who was kind of pulling an Eli Manning and dabbling into Twitter late in life, quote tweeted sure. the actual coward video and said, how do you know I've never seen aliens, Colin? <laughs> I'm serious. So that, I, I look, I know, I know you hate it. I love Twitter. God, I love Twitter. I love some aspects of it. It's grown back on me before. I think when I don't have to check it every 10 minutes from my right. livelihood now, I've kind of come back to a more healthy relationship with the website. Is that fair? Yeah, you know, absolutely. When your uh, livelihood doesn't, uh, you know, all the way depend on it. As we're recording right. this, I'll, uh, I'll DM you the actual clip. But that's funny that you thought, like, the first half of said, uh, of said troll account on Cowherd was so great when then it actually came to fruition. Like, that's what made it better. It's like the greatest, like, troll of all time, I guess, if it comes true, right? Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. Like, and I need to know, was he actually playing into this or is, is this just something stupid this man said? 
he's smart enough to he knows the Baker Mayfield like he he knows that kind of gets him ratings and that's kind of his shit okay. now because there's been a couple of times where he's picked at him for like stuff that's very clearly stupid and you can kind of see the little shit eating smirk like that's <laughs> like he's halfway serious it probably bugged him a little bit because Baker just seems to be one of those people that bothers Cowherd um, but he had to have been leaning into it there's no way he was pulling a full on Skip Bayless I don't actually believe this but I'm gonna make you believe I believe this type of deal. So anyway, that took yeah. ten minutes to uh, get completely off. The welcome rail. back. Yeah. So now that we're bringing back into the stratosphere, welcome back to Mailbag Friday. Can't think of a better way to start this. Um, let's go some housekeeping notes. One, I actually think we're going to get shirts. So if you want a people's holiday shirt, holler at me. Two, got some nice content coming out tonight. Had the second newsletter come, or tomorrow, I should say. We're recording this late Thursday night. I am. Uh, I've been drinking for three or four days on the end of a bender. Um, no, not really. That's a joke. I've uh, been working a bunch and haven't slept much, so maybe it doesn't feel all that dissimilar. But tomorrow, um, got a good story coming out. Hayden Buckley, um, friend of mine, uh, just won on the Corn Ferry Tour on the precipice of uh, ma- realizing his PGA Tour dream. Incredible story. Not a highly recruited kid. Rejected by both in-state schools. Walks on at Missouri. Goes and plays a pretty much an unlivable wage on three different continents and uh, is now pretty close to picking up his PJ Tour card. So That's awesome. That. Yeah, great kid. Great dude. Um, really remarkable story. Even if you're not a big golf fan, there's something for you there. Uh, just because I think it, it, if you view it from the lens of like the, the depth someone will go to to chase a dream and chase their livelihood, particularly as grueling as professional golf is from a mental standpoint, sure. it's, a, uh, it's a really remarkable story. So we got that coming out tomorrow. I'll probably have a short newsletter. Um, as far as this podcast is concerned, still working through testing some stuff. We're actually on a different audio medium than we were the first time. Uh, part of that is because Colin does not have internet right now. How does that happen, right. by the way? Like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying how does it happen on your end. I know it happens. But barring some sort of snowpocalypse, how are we still losing internet in 2021? Because I actually lost internet two nights. Well, Why is that still a thing as much as we pay? You, you, well, well, yeah, tell me about it. Um, you got to understand, though, I, I, where I live is in a city of about 2,500 people. So we are not high on the totem pole of getting AT&T fixed. Uh, it's down in my area. So maybe we'll be back up by tomorrow. Okay, that's fair. But I would contend at this point, unless you live on one of those uh, Pacific islands where those, uh, you know, the last of the uncharted people that have just never been contacted live, I think AT&T should be able to cover that. But that's just me as much I'm as – I'm fine with that. I, I am often amazed by, like, there being places where you don't get cell phone service. Yes. Like, that amazes me. That's still a thing, apparently, some places. And then you'll look up I, – I took a golf trip this summer, Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Um, I don't know what rivers by Muscle Shoals or whatever, but the, the lake house we were staying at, yeah. no cell service. And I was like, how does what? this happen? Like, what if, what if there was an emergency? There's a fire. Like, who, like how do you call people it? people don't have house phones anymore. No, you don't. There's no, I, I don't, I, I haven't used, I haven't seen a house. When's the last time you've seen a house phone? No, like my, my parents got rid of theirs like 10 years ago. And I've never had one and never will. Yeah, I mean, my, I feel like my parents were one of the last stragglers, and finally when they moved out of their house out of Jackson into Ridgeland, they ditched the landline. But uh, anyway, we're off the rails again. I'll finish up my <laughs> thoughts. Anyway, testing out some different audio mediums, working on getting an intro. Like as I mentioned in the newsletter a couple of different times, still a work in progress, but appreciate you guys working with me. Definitely want to get the audio. I think it's been fine, but like there were sure. times when I was doing the grip it and rip it for Ben's site. 
where I just kind of was like, had a lot going on and be like, you know, it's screw it. We're just doing this on Skype on a phone. And it was, <laughs> it's not always, the, uh, it wasn't always crystal clear audio. So still working with it. Going to get an intro, going to get that squared away this weekend. Looking forward to having some time to work on that. But uh, that's some stuff we have on the horizon. So check out that story. Um, by the time you, most of you hear this, it will already be out. So check it out. Rippy writes at substack.com. You can subscribe. All kinds of good stuff on the horizon. Today, we do have mailbag questions. I, uh, if I was rating the mailbag response, I would put it as a B. We got a decent bit of questions. Not a great one. Not an overwhelming success. I didn't give the people a lot of notice, but I put it as a B. I'm not going to scold you, but I'm not going to praise you. Is that fair? So, uh, yeah. I, so, I'm coaching third base in a baseball game tonight, and I look at my phone during the middle of a doubleheader, and uh, I just see you're having a lot of interactions with people, so I knew we were getting questions. Oh yeah, I mean, there probably there's probably nothing better than coaching third base in a baseball game, <laughs> trying to do your occupation, and then read something to the effect of "Is Texas Day Brazil a buffet?" <laughs> I didn't actually check Twitter. I just saw you and I think Randy uh, responding to each other. So I knew that uh, I knew as soon as Randy sent a question, um, and and I love Randy, but I knew as soon as he's you uh, he sent a question that we were going to be off the rails. Yeah, absolutely. He was, he's known for the brain pretzels. Um, and honestly, I had forgotten about it until he submitted his room. And I was like, ah, oh, damn it. This kid does this all the time. Cause I have this every time I read it. Like what's the, what's the meme? Like people uh, send us like certain accounts on Twitter. It's like, he don't miss. And that's Randy with our mailbag Friday. And it remains on brand. So I, I appreciate it. Uh, so try to top that next week, I guess would be my challenge. So we'll go through a couple of those. We'll talk some old Miss baseball, obviously what happened this week headed into the weekend. We'll talk some hoops because, uh, you know, I was texting with, I say a buddy, Bracken Ray. You all know them on this show at this point. At this point, I was texting with him earlier today about some stuff. And it's like, I, you know, I say this like saying, like, I guess we have to talk some hoops. I mean, this yeah. team didn't win away from being 10 and 8, and Lenardi still has them as of 25 minutes ago. And Thursday night in the next four out. But, man, it does not feel oh, like what a weird season. I got one better. Jerry Palm has them in the first four out. Really? Yeah. They're the fourth team out, according to Jerry Paul. So I, uh, I obviously I I was interviewing uh, my buddy Hayden for during a lot of the Kentucky game the other night, and I had it up, but I just wasn't paying. I wasn't. I would say I wasn't locked in to sure. a portion of the game. And so in my Thursday thoughts on the newsletter, if you go read that again, available Rippy writes at stub, substack.com, I didn't like write their obituary. I kind of put into context. You see this sentiment that like this team is hard to figure out a lot. And I was kind of like, I'd push back on that a little bit because they do have erratic results, but they're actually not that hard to figure out. They're very good defensively, good defensively bordering on very good at times. They struggle to score at any consistency. So their margin for error is so slim that it produces a lot of erratic results. And we can get into that a little bit later. I think we'll go through mailbag and baseball first based on interest, but basically the way I concluded it was like, eh, this is probably not going to be enough. They deserve credit for not completely sucking. Next year will be interesting. But I basically just kind of had to write them off as uh, they're going to have to win the whole thing to get in the tournament. Yeah, it doesn't sound like, like that's technically the case anymore. I I do think they got to be playing basketball on Sunday. I, I do think that. I, I, I mean, Saturday at worst. It just depends. You yeah. know, a lot of this also depends on what happens around them. You know. Sure. Absolutely. Um, but I do think Ole Miss has put themselves in the situation right where you like. Oh, there, there's teams that are on the bubble that don't necessarily like, and I wouldn't advise this, that 
could just back their way into the tournament, I don't think Ole Miss can do that. They have to go make something happen over in Nashville next week. For sure. I mean, I would agree with your sentiment as well, is where it's like, okay, one, they, I would say they at least have to get to Saturday and then just kind of see what happens. I think they'd sure. be in a solid position. And I think Sunday – I mean, honestly, dude, if you get to Sunday, as weird as it sounds – Just win it if you're there on Sunday. Just win the tournament. That's also very true. I don't necessarily see that happening. But no. I, you never know. They played well in stretches. But, like – and it's weird to, to point this out because there's not a ton of comparisons between the two teams at all. But if you do get to Sunday, it's going to have that 2013-ish vibe to where it's like, is this actually enough? Are they actually in? Like, can give me the graphic of Jimmy Dykes front of the plane, back of the plane crap that he thinks is so cool but is actually very – AK swears, and and we'll get to Melbag in just a second. AK swears, and and I think I believe him, that they would have – had they lost that game to Florida, they would have been like the second to last team in going to Dayton. He swears they told him that. And and I think I believe him. But do you know how miserable that selection show would have been? Oh, it sucked. I mean, that's one of the bigger things that you and I have disagreed on between the years. I'm not even saying you're wrong or that AK is wrong. It's just like if you look at the bracketologist that day, it was very split. Like, Lenardi, no. You know, Palm, I don't remember. But there were a couple other guys. It was like they're in. And unless you're unanimous, you're not really feeling great about it. Oh, oh God, no. Marshall no, Henderson I do think like – that day. Yeah, and, and you'll never know because the, the Ole Miss' seed line improved once they beat Florida. But, God, I'd have felt so miserable watching AK or, or watching that because you know AK's watching this. Like, if my name's not called, they're firing me. If, uh, what's his face? The kid that made the shot in the semis and then tried to come back to the team a couple years later, and AK was like, nah, man. Millinghouse. Yeah, Derek Millinghouse. I mean, AK's probably can there there actually is still a camp of people that believe that wasn't the case even though it seemed almost obvious I don't know if I necessarily buy into that I wasn't covering almost at that time I won't pretend to know just my gut says that he was probably done let me tell you uh they played Missouri on that Friday night and it's one of the things now and I was a dumb 20 year old back there and I thought it was kind of funny um now I would I would if Keith Carter did what I'm about to say I'd lose my mind uh, Ross Bjork after – because Ole Miss was down to Missouri the whole game. They are down seven or nine points the whole game. And, like, fans are tweeting at Ross Bjork, just bombarding him. Fire AK! Fire him now! And, like, after the game, Ross, like, goes and pulls all these tweets and, like, just starts responding to people. And I thought it was kind of funny then, and now I think it was kind of childish. But, like, no, people were so tired of AK by then, I don't, I don't think he could have survived. It was a brand of basketball that's very easy to get stale if you don't get the results you desire, which is fair with the way the program was funded and supported at that point. We've been over this a thousand times, but yeah, I, I agree. I but will say pull this. Out the wrestling belt. And we'll, uh, yeah. And we can get to baseball after this. I will say this. If I'm going to have a mediocre basketball team, and this is not a shot at Kermit Davis, if I'm going to have a mediocre basketball team, I'd rather watch AK's mediocre basketball team than Kermit Davis's because AK's was a little bit more visually, visually appealing. I would argue this version, without a doubt, I cannot dispute that. I'd like to see what AK does. I, excuse me. I would like to see what Kermit does with the McDonald's All-American in the back. Sure, absolutely. But, yes, this, this current version, I mean, this team's about – I mean, presumably, again, they lost to Vanderbilt two weeks ago without their league score, but this team is presumably about to get 10-8 and eight in the league. And you're like, what, how many – of the 18 games, would you say – I mean, I would argue that – Ten of them were hard to stomach, and not all of them weren't losses. At least ten were tough to watch. I, I told you that uh, before the year, Ole Miss was going to beat Auburn twice, was going to win at Humphrey Coliseum, was going to win at Missouri, was going to beat Missouri at home, and was going to beat Tennessee and Kentucky. Uh, what, 
what seed would you have put Ole Miss? Like five? I was, yeah, when you took the words out of my mouth, I was about to say five, six. <laughs> Good God. And they're likely probably not even going to make it. And then if, but if you, if you had followed that up with the additional context of, hey, they're going to lose to Georgia twice and at Vandy with no fans minus their two scores, if they, can I, like, you know, I just talked about how painful they were to watch sometimes. I think I'd just be signing up to watch that just because, like, <laughs> what do you mean? It's like, <laughs> how, how, how did this happen? Is this team on crack? Yeah. Like, it, it, honestly, that might not be the worst way to describe them at times. Um, that being said, we can top off some basketball sure. conversation here at the end. Let's, uh, I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and knock out these mailbag questions in okay. honor of the return of Mailbag Friday. We'll see how that transitions us into baseball. There will be some baseball talk from the questions. Hit that hoops before we get out of here on this uh, delirious Thursday evening. Let's see. Where do we want to start here? That's your call. I haven't even looked at them, so these are a surprise to me as well. Uh, we'll just start with, with our guy, uh, Randy. All right. Is uh is is always uh, I hope I hope Randy listens to this because I'm uh, Randy isn't aware of this, but I'm sleeping on his couch in Oxford this weekend, so he will be aware of this when he listens. There you go. Well, let him know I feel high from reading his tweets. Um, would you rather be stoned to death by pickles or drowned to death in mayonnaise? Okay, the the, the answer for me is easy here because anything mayonnaise related, um. Is just no, I like I can't. I, I and I'm dead serious here when I say this. I can't sit at a dinner table by someone that is eating mayonnaise. I have to move around where I can't smell it or see it. It disgusts me that bad. So pickles. That's the thing with people. My girlfriend's actually the exact same way to the point where it's absolutely ridiculous. One time, just to abs to spider because I found the thing ridiculous. I actually went and got a spoonful of mayonnaise and just slugged it right in front of her. Um, didn't really even enjoy it. I don't like mayonnaise that much. I'm not that oh. weird mayonnaise guy, but I was really just proving a point of being an asshole. Yeah, see, I, I'm not one to um, promote physical violence. I would have kicked your ass. Would have fought. It's probably fair. If, if she had gotten – I think it was more trauma than anything, but if the reaction had – the trauma had subsided quicker, I might have gotten punched. Like people – you know, like people have like fears of snakes, mods mayonnaise. Fair enough. I'm not going to disagree with you, but for an entirely different reason. I'll go with the first part – of that predicate. I just don't enjoy drowning. I would rather a bunch of pickles crush me than drown. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. God, that's, that's a horrible way to die. But yeah, it's, it's pickles. Yeah, for sure. That would also take so many pickles. Like how, how would you oh, do that? Like, you know, pickles don't even have calories. So how, like, yeah, I mean, there's nothing in them. We're going to be there a while. Exactly. And especially if they're dumping them on you. And if it's like the little crappy nukes pickles, which actually taste very good, but are yeah. very small. I don't really, uh, I don't really. I, I don't really know what that one. That one. I, We're gonna see, be there a minute. Yeah, I mean, that, hopefully, gonna, hopefully they like you know you're laying down and they already have the pickles and they know how many they need and they just drop them on you. Fair enough. And if you survive it by chance, I mean, you're just gonna smell like ass for the rest of your life. There's just no no changing that. Um, let's see. Oh, Justin Bush. When are we getting more grip it and rip it? What if I told you this is the same thing? A little better audio and a little more creative freedom. Boom. There you go. <laughs> uh, probably the first name. Uh, ben actually helped me come up with the grip it and rip it name. Uh, Ben's, Ben's good with that stuff. Yeah. I mean, unless you want to put a you know middle school sex joke spin on it, I thought it was actually a pretty creative name. Um, I just didn't want to repeat it and then have Ben call me every two weeks and talk about how uh, I stole the podcast name that he made for me. It was really what went into that decision, to be honest. So, 
I hadn't talked to Ben in like a month that he called me the other night and just like opened the conversation. He's like, we not friends anymore. And I was like, oh, here we go. Good. Yeah. Day. See, Good see, day. I got, I got that call too. It was, uh, it was on Saturday night and, uh, it was like, Hey, you know, you can actually call me first. Right. I'm like, I know Ben. He was like, also, why is, uh, why is Justin bench continuing to hit second? I'm like, I, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> He told me, he told oh, me if, if he had to call me first again to consider our friendship over. So I think I called him like seven hours later just to get the point. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I love Ben. God, I love him. Appreciate his help with everything. I didn't want to steal his podcast name. Let's, uh, let's go to a more serious one. Let's reel it in a little bit on right. this one. Brody Clayton says, who's the most important player on this Ole Miss baseball team? You want to go first? You want me to? Why don't we divvy this up because it's going to be so hard to actually kind of compartmentalize this argument. Why don't we go most important hitter and most important pitcher? Is that fair? Okay. So I mean – I'll let you go first. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, let's, let's – I want to expound a little bit on hitter. Uh, most important position player. Okay. So, yeah, when yeah, we say this – position player. Uh, when we say this, like, I mean, this – if you told me I get to protect for the season these two players, they are not injured and do not miss a uh, game because of injury – uh, I the, the answers are easy. It's Hayden Dunhurst and Gunnar Hoagland. Like, like I, I don't really know how you can debate anybody past that. Could you make an argument for Derek Diamond just because of the advantage you wield on Sundays? And if Hoagland did go out, like, yes, it seems catastrophic, but there's possibly a way you could survive. The only pushback I would offer. I agree with you. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the first-round guy um, that throws 95 to 96. Okay. I mean, I, I, I get your point, but – I mean, it, okay, but – and I think what, what you're saying is this, though, like, all right, if that was to happen to Hoagland, right, like, you no longer have that advantage on Sunday. Like, you're moving him to Saturday and you're filling true. him to Sunday. That's also true. It just, just say for the hypothetical sake, if that happened, which, you know, you hope it doesn't, just for – Oh, God. Well, sake, who well, does start Sunday? You probably don't go McDaniel, do you, with the way uh, he fits so far? Who, like, where do you go? No, I, I know what I'd do, but I don't know what Mike would do, but the – uh the man named Taylor that throws 96, 97 on the 90 mile an hour slider, we'd figure out a way to get him baseball on Sunday. What a wild ride that would be for him, right? He starts closing the first few games. It's all of a sudden like, hey, we need to, we need to anchor on Sundays. Yeah. That would, uh, Again. That'd be quite I, Absolutely. And I pray to God it never happens. I, uh, so you actually viewed this. You, you, you took this question in a different context than I did. And yours is probably a little more correct when you talked about most important and who, uh, who you'd want to protect, like can't get injured, stays in the yeah. lineup. Like I didn't necessarily think about it that way. I was thinking about their production is most vital. Sure. To the, team yeah, yeah. the ceiling, which is a question we've already answered. Before. Absolutely. To some degree. Does that change your answer at all? Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 If we're not talking about most valuable players um, and, you know, irreplaceable players, then, then my answer is Tim Elka. Uh, yeah, because I think it's obvious because my thing is, all right, Ole Miss, and, and, and this is not a shot at Mike Clement at all. It's, I think some approach stuff. And I think, you know, it just is what it is. They don't necessarily always hit well against left-handed pitching. You look today, like we talk about this offense and look, I know they didn't play, you know, world beaters in Jackson state and, and Memphis. They have an eight fifty OPS when they woke up this morning against right-handed pitching. They had a six sixty OPS against left-handed pitching. So, Tim Elko has to hit left-handed pitching for this team to do well against left-handed pitching um, because you're going to have some guys in Jacob Gonzalez hits left-handed. It's not going to, you know, probably have great numbers against left-handed pitching. 
Um, so if you're telling me this team meets its full potential, then I'm going to tell you that Tim Elko played well. And if Tim Elko doesn't play well, uh, there's not a whole lot over there on that their bench to replace him. So it's gonna it's gonna be a struggle watching him hit 162 in conference play because he's staying on the field, man. And this is something you and I have talked about ad nauseum, you know, for the last like year and a half, basically. And like, you know, it's we're not the only ones to have this take too. I think most people who follow and cover the team, whatever you want to, at a remotely close level, understand how important he is to Ole Miss reaching his ceiling. And Absolutely. so with that. You got yours out of the way. I would agree. I mean, they, if you're talking about most important in terms of them producing, leading to Ole Miss reaching their ceiling, right. obviously hitter is Elko. I just don't really even think that's disputable. I don't really know how else you could throw in there. Like no one else is that important in terms of someone not being behind them and them just needing them that much. And then if you're talking about, you know, I want to say Derek Diamond, but I'm going to go off the beaten path a little bit. Okay. Hmm. I got one for oh, you. I was going to go Tyler Myers. Okay. I like that. Yeah, if he's good, man, you, you really got something with a guy that can uh, can go long relief. Yeah, absolutely. I don't disagree at all there. Um, and that's exactly where I was going with that. If you have that guy, assuming Austin Miller becomes what he's become, Broadway is what he is. If you have that guy that can both go high leverage and long relief be dominant, and that's what I'm talking about being dominant if him reaching his ceiling – that really changes the dynamic of who you are. And, you Absolutely. know, depth aside, those are three dudes that, you know, I mean, that's, that's the kind of dude if you have a third dude coming out of that bullpen where the team in the other dugout is basically just kind of going, ah, oh, shit. Like, that changes yeah. the, it changes yeah. your ceiling immensely. So, that would be oh, a I, path I, answer. I, I don't disagree. And, and I'm going to say two things here. Uh, first, Greer Holston looked really good. I guess it was Tuesday night. And, and that is not a bad thing to see. 90 to 93 on a cold, damp night. Uh, with a hammer breaking ball, that'll play. Um, another thing, I think if I was doing that for pitcher, and this sounds so weird considering the career he's had, but if you told me this, this like this person played well, and and his numbers are really good, I would tell you that Ole Miss was the number three to four national seed, and that's Doug Nikhazy. If Doug Nikhazy pitches well this year, and Ole Miss is going to be really, really freaking hard to beat. Like, do you know how miserable it's got to be to go to sleep on Friday night? With number 17 taking the ball after you just got your tail kicked. And kind of underscoring your point, like last year before the shutdown and even so far this year, he hasn't been quote-unquote great. No. And he's been fine. Yeah, exactly, fine. And to your point, if he goes from fine to sharpest stuff he's had questionably ever, maybe dating back to his freshman year. You know that game, midweek game in his freshman year, against Louisville sticks out right. or whatever, where it's like they actually have something with this kid, even though they got their ass kicked and Mike yelled at me afterward. Uh, yeah, that's right. We're both there. He was not happy with you. He's <laughs> correct. He was just not happy with my existence. It's one of those he, days. He, he was, like, really nice to me, and then Brian would ask a question. He's like, yeah, I don't know. It was a normal answer. Then I'd ask a question, one word answer, normal answer. I forgot that that was the dynamic. Yeah, that was good times. So that, that sticks out. And the, the stretch that he had after that for the next two months, and granted, it's different because he's pitching out of sure. a different spot. But like if he gets back to that type of form, I would uh, I would totally totally agree with that because to your point, and then you get a Hoagland on Saturday, and then this team just becomes a real sob with who you got on Sunday. As yeah, well. you can you can get into a team's mental state real quick if you went on Friday night because if you're going to sleep on Friday night, it's like I got to deal with Gunnar Hoagland on Saturday, and the cat on Sunday throws 97 now. Like what 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 is this? 
Yeah. What do you, uh, what do you do with that? I will, uh, so I'll contend before we move on to the next question. Um, you talked about the protect the guy at all costs. Like he stays in the lineup, stays healthy, blah, blah, blah. Like the other way to looking at this, could you make an argument for Trey LaFleur? Uh, not over Dunhurst because I think he just – he shuts everything down, man. Like, you can't run, and, and I think he's so good defense. Like, and this is the thing you'll never be able to tell um, with college catchers is how many strikes that guy gets, and it's a lot. Like, I, I'll never be able to go, you know, get, you know, his framing data. But, man, it's he, – he's next level, obviously. That's why he's going to be a top five pick in the draft next year. And on top of that, you know, his backup can't play in the field. Well, Foster's fine. Yeah, that's what I say. His his backup's Knox Laposter, and if you know who the emergency catcher is, right? Hold on, give me a second to think. Man, and let's Kemp Alderman is redshirting this year, so it's not him, right? I don't know. I I tried. I tried to think for a second. I can't think of one. I was about to say Van Cleve, but that's probably Uh, me just saying because it's it's a it's a fellow about Van Cleve size. Is it Baker? It's Baker. Baker is is listed. He was last year. He was listed as a catcher. And I've been told it's not as bad as you think, but you also don't want to have to put it in a game. So I was on the right track in terms of big-bodied offensive yeah. lineman kid. He has the haircut of a catcher. Yeah. No, I think if and, – and they'll look. They'll never catch him unless, uh, you know, Dunhurst is dead and, and Laposter is hurt. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, it – they could put him back there and it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But I think, you know, Mike might puke a few times. If he ever catches, they have to give him his own TV show, right? Like what else Absolutely. in terms of Kenny Powers? Like he, he, if you put a catcher's gear and not that, that hockey style mask on, if you put the old fashioned flip yes. thing helmet style mask, like he looks like that minor league catcher that you don't really know what he got into the other night, but you've heard stories about what he's done in other leagues for the last half decade, never making it to the majors, but uh, a hell of a guy to have in the clubhouse. Basically I just described a R rated bull Durham or maybe there you bull go. Durham with a, with cats <laughs> or crash Davis. I should say bull Durham's the movie, but anyway, um, yeah, but I, I mean, Dunhurst is the answer because to your point, I mean, healthy Calvin Harris is the backup, no? And the fact yeah. that that's not a thing is makes it important. And LaPosta uh, is not terrible, but it's no, a he's fine. Let me tell you, I'm not totally convinced uh, healthy Calvin Harris doesn't find – and, and he's athletic enough to do this. He might be just on the field somewhere. Would agree. I mean, he in, in any other – I mean, if it's anyone else – oh, here's a good question. Actually, you know what? I'll save it. We'll come back to this. Okay. Here's his okay. kind of baseball question. Remind me to come back to that catcher question. Though. I got a good one. Um, is Texas Day Brazil a buffet? I'll go. Yes. All right. You ever eaten I'm, one of those things? No, no, I haven't. So I have to. I have to uh, let you have this one. So I promise you've heard of it. So it's it's it's. Oh not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Outrageous. Yeah. So like the I've been to one once when I was a kid, and then actually here's a funny story. I went to a Texas Day Brazil in Oakland, California, with the football team when I worked in house for the oh. athletic department. The <laughs> Media relations staff and whatever it was, like all the non football staff yeah. went to a Texas Day Brazil on Friday night across from our hotel in downtown Oakland uh, and just basically brought in like cases of wine and stuff. But uh, it, here's, the, here's the argument here you're not getting up to go to a buffet. They do have a salad buffet, and most of them that you go get up. I don't eat salad, it's green decorative bullshit. But um, 
the main course, you have the red, you have the red side of your little, uh, like looks like a coaster or a cup holder or something. And when you flip it red, they stop bringing you food. But if you flip it green, these dudes just gin around with different types of meat and bring it to you like nonstop until you flip it over. Where, where would the closest one of these things be to me? I bet there's one in Memphis. They're all over the place. Like this is not well, some regional thing. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to find this out. This sounds like a place for me. It, it's actually very good. I kind of like Texas Day Brazil. Like it's not like I say this like Maybe. sounding like a food snob. I eat like a 12 year old. I'm far from Dang. a food snob. It's not like high end, high end meat, but it's nice That's enough fun. and different cuts and stuff. Like it, it's B plus quality. I think it's Let's very clear. I live in a town of 3,000 people. Restaurants here are not serving high, you know, the highest quality meat. Uh, this sounds rather expensive, but that's okay. I will, I will, I will pay for this. This, this, this sounds like uh, entertainment. It's expensive-ish. It hits you right in that sweet spot. Like it's not okay. a two hundred dollar meal or something outrageous, sure. but it's probably between. I think from what I remember, maybe like seventy and a hundred. Uh, I just googled one, and I forget. I don't live in Mississippi anymore. There's one in Fort Worth. Uh, my girlfriend's birthday is actually tomorrow and mine's is Tuesday. So don't give me any ideas here. Um, you can go twice. Yeah, exactly. Texas day, Brazil, uh, Memphis. Let's see that. Who would have thought the people's holiday. We'd be looking up Texas day. Brazil. Yeah. There's one on the Peabody street or whatever. So we got, Absolutely. go check it out. I, uh, okay. I will offer the final ruling. That's I'll say yes. Buffet. Uh, it's just right, a buffet yes, where they bring it to you because it's fancy. Uh, all right, I have a I have a question to pile off of that, and and I don't know because I haven't eaten out a ton recently with with COVID or whatever. Uh, have we made our last trip to an all you can eat buffet? Does COVID change how that works? Because I think that's a possibility. If they if said all you can eat buffet survives it financially, no. But the way that kills it is that there's just none left because the none of them stayed afloat. Now, yeah. are you talking about it from a sanitation pur purpose? Yes, like right. Comfortable doing that? No, we're all animals. Like, I maybe <laughs> not do it again, like, but, but we're animals as, as, a, as a human race. And so I think if, if, if financially feasible, I think it will come back. Okay, fair enough. But I, I mean, again, right. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a culinary expert. You, you very well like, – I very well could be wrong. I just I – I just have my doubts about humans. Right, I'm going to ask you another question that just popped into my head. Do, all right, we're what, a year into this pandemic now? Pretty much. I mean, we're literally right. approaching a year next week. Do, next Thursday will be a year. All right. So I, I don't know if you're, you know, you're a big mask guy or anti-mask guy. What I want to know is do masks bother you? Like, does wearing one bother you at all? Um, trying to figure out how to answer this the right way. No, but okay. if I'm in a place where it has to be worn for an extended period of time, okay. like yes. the dudes, my brother's in medical school and, you know, him taking shifts at the hospital or whatever, and not even being able to take it off when he sits down at a desk or whatever it is he's doing for the day, that would drive me crazy because it eventually just kind of messes up your breathing. Now I wear, obviously I wear one to work every day. You know, they're pretty strict enforcing it at my office to where like when you're sitting down at your desk, you don't have to have it on. But when you get up and walk around, put it on, I have no problem with all that. Whatever. It's fine. Like I've gotten so used to it. Honestly, don't even think about it. But if I was sitting in a place where like, hey, this mask is going to be fully on you for two and a half hours, then it's kind of like this sucks. 
Yeah. See, I was like that, and then I started having to teach with the thing on, That's and I forget I have it on. Exactly. I forget I have it on. Like I will literally drive home and forget I have the thing on, and get in my house and be like, "Oh yeah, how about that?" Honestly, that's a probably a good thing, right? Because like if you're constantly remembering that you have it on, it's probably driving you nuts. Yeah, yeah. the The thing that bothers me the most about them is if I'm going in somewhere now that like I'm not going to go wear one. If I'm, I'll just be honest, I'm not going to go wear one if I'm going to get you know a bottle of water out of the out of you know the quick stop or whatever. But you know, used to when you have to do that. Uh, I would I would get annoyed and not that I had to wear it, but that I would get to the door and I'd forget it and I have to go back to my car and get it. Yeah, that's what. Well, I, you're I was, so not trained to do it. Yeah, exactly. And to add on to that, like it's honestly one of the things that like it doesn't really frighten me, but one of the things that's like kind of scary to think about is how used to it you've gotten. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't bother me at all. Like that's when people like make a big deal about it. It's like I'm not wearing a mask to Swayze. It's like I'll wear six. I don't care. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not like I, the tech, you know Texas. I know Mississippi did it effective immediately, but where I live now, they're you know, removing the mask mandate effective next week. Like, I'm not going to go into a restaurant and be like, "You cannot make me wear this muzzle." Like, I, I, I don't wear it. I don't care. Exactly, I probably still wear it. I don't really care that much. But like, it's it's just weird to me that, um, like for example, just like last Friday night, I got off work a little bit late. We weren't really even doing anything. We were going to go to this pizza place that we go to down the street a decent bit and drink a beer and like eat the pizza and come back or whatever. And like, I just, I, I, I noticed this last week is why I'm using this as an example, but like your mask is like phone wallet keys. Now when you're walking, yes. out the floor, it's like phone wallet keys mask. And that's yeah. it. It's kind of freaky how normal, normal that's gotten because to your point, it hasn't even been less than a year. I mean, it's been less than a year technically. I know it's yeah. nice had a year, but like, man, it's gotten normal. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's we're right at that year mark too when the world shut down god i don't want to do that again i think somebody and, and look this it, it felt like a celebration and i know some people look are not you know happy with reeves orders and whatnot and that's fine i get it i don't necessarily and you know i'm not going to stay political for you know very long i don't necessarily like canceling the mass mandate but i don't mind opening things up the way he did um so i you know they are real quick they are going to have 100 percent in swayze this weekend Really? Yeah, well, okay, let me rephrase. They are giving everyone that ordered season tickets their tickets. They're doubling the student attendance, and uh, left field is, from what I understand, if you have tickets out there, you're good to get in. Good for so, business, and Good for business owners. Good for yeah, I'm, people. Yeah, I'm That's kind of just the – I would say my apolitical take on this is, like, good for people getting to go watch their favorite teams again because sports oh, people God. joy, and it's a sense of normalcy. And I think we've all earned that at this point. And honestly – you mentioned doubling the student attendance. I have a brother that's a sophomore in college that has had a lot of the social aspects of college just kind of ruined. And so oh, man. to have a halfway normal spring and maybe get to go to a couple of baseball games, they're obviously not going to do like great parties. Your youngest brother's in college now. I know, dude. It's, I mean, I, oh, I, I turned 26 on Tuesday. <laughs> Jesus Christ, help me. Um, yeah, but like, oh, can you imagine tonight? the library it's thursday night on the first normal night but oh my god okay so oh i like pandemic god. library better than normal library oh absolutely <laughs> I, I, I mean pandemic library was like tuesday night and you know on spring break or something and i was like this is my jam exactly i'm not a uh, honestly that may be died for me forever there was a situation i caught myself in in september where 
Dallas is very different than Fort Worth where Dallas, yeah. there's parts of it where it's like, uh, yep. COVID's not a thing here. Basically. Like you wouldn't know <laughs> where Fort Worth has been a lot more, uh, a shut down, I would say. And like, I'm not right. saying right, wrong, the other, but I was at a bar that was actually like crowded. Like it was like, if there's restrictions here, they're enforcing it. And it got crowded, crowded for the first time in a while. And I was like, I'm probably retired from this scene. Like I don't need to bump elbows with some dude grabbing three Miller lights and a couple of shots. The one thing is like uh, $35 just for the right to stand in the bar. I might've retired from that scene. My thing is like, I didn't really do much of that before COVID. So I sure as hell ain't going to do it after. I like did it in college because everyone else yeah. did it, but to say I enjoyed it was no. why. No, I don't like going and standing at bars. Not that no. act. I'll stand, but if I'm standing, I'd like to have a stool around me, and I would not to, not like to be elbowed. Uh, you know, most people in the groin area, but since I'm a little shorter chest area, um, every time someone walks by me with a cold one. Yeah. <laughs> Crowded bars are not my scene. I could I could sit at home and, and pour drinks for free. But good for the capacity. That'll be cool. Absolutely. Speaking of uh, speaking of cool, here's a good one. Would you rather watch Ole Miss Bama in fifteen for the first time and not know what happens, or watch a live gladiator fight? Uh, oh, Ole Miss Bama. I thought that was going somewhere else, by the way. But Ole Miss Bama fifteen. Oh, I'll go live gladiator fight just because I don't – I mean, you get to watch Bama and Ole Miss with amnesia, and you're like, man, this is awesome. But, hey, talk to hold, me about that I've seen a live gladiator fight and you're losing in Memphis. All right. Well, that's true. But let me ask this. If I'm watching Ole Miss Bama for the first time, is it like I get to go back to 2015 or am I watching it today? Because this affects my answer. If you tell me I get to go back to college and watch this, I'm in. If it's 2020 and now, now we have a different discussion. I think you get to go back to 2015. Right, I don't think college. any of the other results are different. Okay, that's fine. I'm going back to college. <laughs> that's not, yeah, I'm going back to college. I think I'm taking the gladiator fight. What uh, what did they do back then? Did those people smell like what were the what, like? How do you heckle a gladiator fight? I'd like to see that. <laughs> do they? How do you sharpen the swords? Like, do they have the corner like the boxing? Like, who is <laughs> the, the greatest gladiator? Does he have like a Floyd Mayweather crew? walking into the arena or is he a one-man guy nope. like what do they yeah. do with the dead guy yeah look now i'm gonna be honest with you i'm gonna i'm disagreeing with your b for uh mailback question so far b was based on volume this is this is pretty good i'll i'll, I'll bump it up to b plus because of yeah. the quality i agree with that yeah. that's fair um What's your take on the PGA Tour allowing rangefinders? That one's yours. I have no idea what he's talking about. So every other level of golf at this point, like, you know, when you go out and play on Saturday with your buddies, you have a rangefinder. Probably costs 150 sure. bucks, whatever. You shoot the distance in two seconds, right? Well, mm -hmm. the PGA Tour uh, just does not allow that. So the caddies uh, actually and the players actually have to walk off the yardage based off sprinkler heads and data that they've gotten, I say data, like yardages and stuff that they've shot. So with this rangefinder tells me how far I hit the ball? Yes, the rangefinder. Okay. No, it's like the range – all these pins actually have a little – so the, the flag stick has a little oh. tracker, basically, that picks up the laser. And all you do – I mean, it's the same thing as like a deer hunting rangefinder. You literally just click a button, and if you hit the pin right, which is easy as shit to do. I mean, it picks up on it. It tells you uh -huh. exactly how far you are away from the hole. Okay, gotcha. In two okay. seconds. Okay. Um, but on the PGA Tour – um, they've never really allowed those. So caddies and players are having to get their yardages from sprinkler heads out in the fairway that have their yardage on them or 
you know, markers and stuff that they've tracked from the practice round where they can use range finders, but in competition, they're not going to use them. So they're having to step off yardages and stuff. Um, so it's been a big debate because like pace of play and stuff. I don't have a problem with it because those caddies are so damn good and the players are so damn good. They basically get the exact yardage every time anyway. So why not save that five minutes and let them just click it on a range finder? I have no problem with it. Seems dumb. Yeah, well, sounds good to me. But I, there is a side to that to where it's like, what if it becomes like instant replay in basketball and there's all these unintended side effects that no one thought of in 20, uh, 20, 2009 or whatever when they started implementing replay because it seemed like the obvious thing to do and now everyone hates it because they don't get well, it right and it takes too long. Well, how do you not get it right? Like, how, how can you've this seen these be NBA You've seen these NBA no, 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 I'm not talking about the NBA. Like, how can this be messed up in golf if it – all it does oh, I'm not saying party. that. The numbers will be right. I just wonder if there's some sort of unintended consequence that we're not smart enough to think about. Like, you know what okay. I mean? It's like when a major yeah. decision like that seems so obvious, like the replay stuff, and then like 10 years later, like, actually, this kind of sucks sometimes. Like, I just wonder if there's something there that I'm not thinking of. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Uh, we got a couple more left. Who is the Grinch that stole the people's holidays? Uh, well, there's two answers. One, super Father Tom. Two, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly COVID. <laughs> that sounded salty. I'll go with the global. No, 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 I have no, I have no, uh, no ill will. Oh, sh- speaking of super talk, I skipped. Uh, good pal Michael Borky he actually submitted the first question. Borky gets the Damn first it. question back from uh, Mailbag Friday. He was the first submission back. How about that? Absolutely. Well, you're gonna have to have a visual on this one. It says, if you had to wear this exact outfit every day for a year. But on the I'll three day, you get ten grand. Would you do it? If I'm not mistaken, okay. This is Brandon in some sort of fluorescent blue jumpsuit, buddy. I, if you think I care what I have to wear every day, you're mistaken. If you gave me two thousand dollars to wear that for a year, that'd be fine. It looks comfy. Let's see here. If you had to wear this exact outfit every day for a year, but on the 365, you get $10,000. Yeah, absolutely. I wear yeah, it. This one. Well, we had a, a, a state fellow that listens to this podcast, I think presumably say no shot, a hundred grand, maybe. I don't like, are you some sort of fashionista? Like, are you? Tommy maybe he's rich. I don't know. But uh, Tommy I'm not. And I can tell you I'd wear it. Yeah, man. My wardrobe consists of, khaki pants jeans and ten thousand golf shirts like yeah there's not a whole lot of diversity here if you're telling me i gotta become fluorescent jumpsuit guy for 10 grand for a year yeah i would do it for half that i'd do it for a fourth <laughs> i really don't care like that, that, that i mean it would, i would i would make the best out of it i would probably uh come up with some story that i made up like that, that doesn't bother me <laughs> yeah people are gonna think you don't wash your clothes but i'll get over that no, it's not, it's not the clothes themselves. It's the variety. I have no variety in my wardrobe. I literally have 1,500 golf shirts. That's an exaggeration, obviously. And khaki pants or jeans, and that's it. And so if I had to whittle that down to just a sweatshirt. You, know, you have a khaki shorts guy? You wear khaki yeah, shorts? I wear khaki shorts. Khaki okay. shorts, yeah. Shorts, pants, jeans. That's it. Yeah. I'm not even a huge jeans guy. I respect Ben so much because my man, when it turns like seventy, he's showing up in a in a uh, what what uh, like fishing shirt, shorts, and flip flops anywhere he goes. 
respect 70, that so much. Dude. I just assumed during the snowpocalypse he still had that shit on. I don't think there's ever a setting where he ever wears pants. I'm assuming when it snowed last week in uh, North Mississippi, Ben was rolling around New Albany in his fishing shirt and flip-flops. <laughs> just rocking the flip-flops. I'm just not a big flip-flops pants? guy. I don't I've ever seen Ben wear pants. I'm not sure I own a pair of flip-flops. I don't think I do. I don't think I have in a long time either. I don't think Ben has pants. Ben definitely has flip-flops. I think I have one pair of flip-flops. Do you? Do you wear them? I mean, I think it's more of a beach thing. I'm not a big like, uh, hey, let's go up to the you know, restaurant or bar. Oh, yeah, let me get my flip-flops. I'm probably uh, probably throwing on the tennis shoes. I do. I have three pairs of Crocs. How about that? Wait, really? Yeah, I have a uh, black pair a gray pair, and then I have the insulated, like, fuzzy pair. All right. So do you wear them in public, or is that, like, a house thing? I would, but uh, certain people I spend a lot of time with, namely uh, significant other, not a uh, fan of the Crocs. See, I used to – we made fun of people when I was in high school that would wear those to school. Um, no, I shouldn't say we. I didn't. I didn't make fun of people. Um, but, like, that's, like, my kids in school, man, they, they wear the crap out of it. Like, we have kids practicing those things. They swear about. Them. So what happened was, I think, if I get the timeline correctly, I always liked them. But when we were young kids, Crocs were like yeah. the thing; everyone had to have them. Right. Then it became Crocs became the Nickelback of shoes. Sure. It became cool to shit on them, and now I'm seeing Nickelback make a little bit of a comeback. Seeing it on the internet waves every now and again, it's like making an yeah. comeback. And then, honestly, the best branding thing Crocs did was announce that they were shutting down because people bought the hell out of them. It's like whoa. <laughs> Hold up here. Crocs are back in a big way. They never left for me. We, uh, we've got one more mailbag question, then we'll hit some more baseball and basketball and get out of here. Um, oh, what sport is the hardest professional sport to make it to the highest level? This is in response to my newsletter this morning where I teased this Buckley story that's coming out tomorrow. Um, he said, the question submitter said, I feel like it's baseball or golf. I would, uh, I would contend that you're right on both fronts. I would say it's hard – to compare individual and team sports. And if you're making me pick from each category, it's those two by far. Yeah. Um, and so I have an opinion that baseball is a individualized sport played in a team setting like baseball. There's, there's so much individual action in, in, in that, that I almost consider it at times an individual sport. So yeah, it's, it's those two sports and I'm not going to fight which one's one and two. Um, if you want to, if you wanted to say tennis, I'm not going to, you know, hold your feet to the fire. I don't just necessarily disagree that tennis could be in there. I can't have an opinion on the tennis part just out of ignorance because I don't know the inner yeah, of the lower, lower levels of tennis and how you graduate. Unfortunately, I'm almost all too familiar with the way golf works. And the la- I would argue golf, maybe if you're talking about it from an individual uh, perspective, is maybe slightly tougher than baseball because of the lack of opportunity. Like a double A guy in baseball is not having to go have a multi hit game for the right to play the next day. Right. No, I'm fine there. I I I I don't know enough and and I don't know enough about tennis, but I sure don't know enough about golf to have an opinion. So um I do think I know enough to 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 say that it's more than likely one of the harder sports to become a professional in. And I and that's not knowing the logistics um of like I feel like golf and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like golf becoming a professional is a lot more complicated just like logistically versus baseball. Like baseball is pretty simple as far as how it works. Like your skill level, you got to be really, really good, obviously. You got to beat a lot of dudes. But it's pretty simple. Like, hey, you get drafted 
And um, then if you're good enough, you play in the major leagues. And if not, we send you home. Golf seems a little bit more complicated than that. Oh, buddy, you have no idea. You're dead on. And this was one of the things that will be included in this story in the morning. The qualifying status money method is so convoluted and points is so complicated. The players don't know. One of the things <laughs> that I wrote about in this story tomorrow is Buckley – Basically, they give these players an app, particularly on the web.com tour. It's a little more clear on the PGA tour just because it's more money, more stakes, less players. Like mm. Buckley has an app, and he's basically at the mercy of this app to, feel, to figure out if he's getting in the field every week. For example, they had a COVID pause, and the tournament that he just won where he was the last guy in the field, he was the fifth alternate. So five dudes had to drop out for him to get in. <laughs> he showed up to the course at 6 a.m. that Thursday morning just basically hoping five people would drop out, and five people dropped out, and he got in and won the whole thing. He was preparing all offseason during the COVID pause as if he was in the tournament. He was like, yeah, I think I have enough points. Like, I'm going to be in this tournament. And then he just looks at his app a week out, and he's like, oh, I'm not in this tournament. Like, they don't even understand it. Imagine your livelihood being on the line and you not understanding the qualifying system because it's that complicated. So, uh, I figure by the time this is out, the the story will be out. Explain to me in dumb, dumb terms um, what winning that tournament did for his professional future. Oh, man. Um, so does he go from amateur to on the tour now? No. So he – it's more of like – so he, he was on the web.com tour, which right. is essentially AAA baseball. Right. He had partial status on that tour. So it would – if I'm equating it to baseball, it would be like a utility player, guaranteed that he gets a game every fifth day if he's lucky. Okay. Um, okay. And when I say every fifth day when he's lucky, Buckley is going to these tournaments not having full status, going to what's called a Monday qualifier where 200 dudes play one round for three spots. And, and we're talking about on the web.com tour or on the PGA tour? This is the web.com tour. So he's playing Those. these Monday qualifiers one round for the right to get in the four-day event of the minor league tour. So even the him winning that tournament didn't just get him in? It did not. He got a $150,000, ish thousand dollar paycheck, and he is now 27th. And now the top 25 um, get into the – Get the get their PJ tour cards next year. Now, granted, it's life changing. That's one more money sure. he's made in a week ever. Two, worst case scenario, he's getting full status to this tour next year and getting in any event he wants to. And three, if he continues to play decently well, he will probably work his way into the twenty five. But to you know, kind of un- outlining what you just said, like <laughs> he does all of this. You know, he's played all these mini tours. Then he wins his tournament, and he's still not there. He's, Basically over the hump, but not really. Jeez. Just, uh. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's the most mentally taxing thing I think you can do. I mean, imagine like you're, you're, this is your life. This is how you earn a paycheck, and you're sitting in an app on your phone being like, am I going to get in this week? Am I going to be able to earn a paycheck? Oof. Couldn't so, do it. Yeah, pretty crazy stuff. So, yeah, I think uh, the second part of this guy's mailbag question before we get to baseball was, What's the hardest professional sports league to stay in? I think that's an obvious one. I think it's the NFL. Yeah, I'm fine with that. To remain in yeah. long term. Yeah, I mean they 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 called the league not for long. Like, yeah, it's the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's why they you know, the NFL has the most fierce CBA um arguments yeah. where the CBA comes up every time because you know things that seem like minute details in the NBA or the MLB that they can work around are huge in terms of revenue sharing, because in the NFL, you know, most guys careers are two, three years, you know? Right. So yeah. Like, no, yeah, yeah. NFL easily. So yeah. 
that concludes our mailbag Friday portion of this. That uh, geez, we went an hour on that, but uh, like let's, that. Hit some, let's hit some baseball before we get here. Uh, that was a great mailbag Friday. Uh, to your point, quality over or quantity. No, quality over quantity. Not a ton of questions, but the quality was was A plus. A plus quality, B plus quantity. Fair? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Raise that grade next week. Get back in the film room and uh, <laughs> raise it for next week. Let's talk baseball before we get out of here because we already hit some basketball. We hit sure. a little bit of baseball. Ole Miss plays Belmont this weekend. Uh, I mean – this will be way easier once we get into SEC play and we actually get matchups and stuff. But just three things – give me however many things you want you're looking for for okay. this weekend. Um, I want – here's what I'm looking for. Uh, Tim Elko hits two home runs in the midweek. Um, was it against elite competition? Absolutely not. One of the home runs was against a 61-mile-an-hour fastball. Did you watch much of the Jackson State game, by the way? Not a ton of it, but to uh, to kind of add on that, one, don't like their chances to host. No. Two, uh, to hit a ball as far as he did at 61, doesn't that make that more impressive? Yeah, I, that that cat is strong. Good God. Um, yeah. So here's something I was told, and, and, and I, you know, I don't want to do the, you know, I, this is what, you know, our herd or sor- sources game. I was told today, and I think this is accurate, that Tim Elko, and this is the analytics thing, has the second highest ex-slugging percentage on his team, on the team. And what that means is he has the second highest expected slugging percentage on the team. Now, you look at his numbers, it's not going to be the case of, of what his actual slugging percentage is. But what that computes is exit velocity and, and all sorts of different things and what his slugging percentage should be compared to what it is is a remarkable difference. So what that tells me is he's hitting a lot of balls hard that are eventually going to find holes, and he's going to be fine. I think that starts this weekend. I think he's going to have a big weekend, and people are probably going to get off his case. Um, Number two, I need to see Ole Miss be more patient at the plate. They were this week um, against Memphis, against Jackson State. You know, people say, oh, well, especially Memphis. They'll say, oh, it's just Memphis. It's like, well, Memphis and UCF are in the same conference. And I'm telling you, Memphis threw weekend guys at Ole Miss. Carson Stinnett, he's from Oxford. He will pitch on the weekends for them. Um, and Ole Miss took pitches. They made him work. I'm interested to see, and I'm hopeful to see that carry over into the weekend. I think the bullpen needs to pitch better, too. Uh, I'll stop there. But I, I, I think the bullpen needs to have a good weekend, and, and I think they will. Um, if, if those three things happen, Ole Miss should not have any trouble sweeping this weekend. Frankly, and, and this is not how baseball is supposed to work, but after last weekend, Anything short of 3-0 and is a disappointment to me. Oh, I was going to agree with you on two of those points easily, particularly that last one. One, uh, I would, my first one was going to be bullpen definitely pitch better. Need to be a little, like, look like lockdown like you were. If I'm not mistaken, the bullpen did not allow an earned run in 14 innings in the two midweek games. It did not. If I'm not mistaken. And I'm including Tyler Myers in there, even though he started Wednesday, but that was a bullpen day. So I'm including his innings in there. So – Everyone not named Drew McDaniel gave up one unearned run, I believe, over the last 14 innings or whatever that was. Certainly a good sign. A little bit of uptick in competition this weekend, I think. That's actually not fair. No, it's probably better than Belmont. Yeah. Belmont probably better than Jackson State. Absolutely. So, um, but that would be the second part. And then two, I agree with your part about sweeping. Like now, if they dropped a game to Belmont in the long run, does it really matter? 
probably not, but kind of piggybacking off of what you said, I don't even know if optics is the right term, but you just kind of got dealt your first dosage of adversity since June of 2019, granted a very, very small dose. I think you'll go a long way in speaking towards the mental fortitude of this team if they came out and just kind of kicked ass and took care of business and won three games. Again, if they won two out of three and lost a game, is it, you know, does it really matter? No, but if they win three in a row coming off the week that they had last week, does that matter? I would say yes, if that makes sense. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back a little bit in that I think, look, um, I think Belmont's not going to be a top 100 RPI team, and I do think, you know, not having sub-100 losses is something the committee is probably going to, you know, prefer you not have. And, you know, at the, I, and here's what I will say. I don't think RPI is going to be a massive factor this year. So it's does it probably hurt less than most years? Yes, but still, man, don't don't lose games at home to teams named Belmont. Just just don't do it. Like just beat them. That was kind of the exactly. That was kind of what I was getting at in that sense because, like you know, I guess it's a good example. Like which team are you? And I guess the most recent example is like. 2018 team sweeps Belmont. 2019 team probably throws a dud in the middle and wins two out of three. Yeah. Like, kind of picking up what I'm putting down. Like, yeah, 2018 locked in every day. There were reasons for that. But, like, yeah. is this team – like, to me, that'll show what they are mentally more than anything if they go out and sweep and it's not close. Sure. Uh, yeah, 2018 team beats Belmont by a collective 31-1 to one score. Just drills them. For sure. And 2019 team what – Wins two out of three. Team really just kind of just sucks on a Friday and then kind of like – Well, yeah, I, I was doing the that. thing where I was going to say, like, they went on Friday, lose on Saturday, and went on Sunday. But on Sunday, it's four to three in the bottom of the eighth, and I have cussed <laughs> everyone. <laughs> That's – man, there's that – that 2019 team was almost more fascinating than – They drove me team. insane. Well, it was, it was almost like that they were going in and out of a trance all year. And it yeah. was like – because you could tell the days they were locked in, and you could also tell the days where it's like, half these dudes don't want to be here right now. They were on hypothetical shrooms, it felt like. Pretty much. But it's also understandable. Like, if you're talking about, like, where the trip originated from, it's that, yeah. that day in June. And I, uh, I took an immature cheap shot on Twitter about that of saying State wanted no part of Tennessee Tech's left fielder um, when the game – their series got canceled because of COVID. But it was, it also – that was a scarring event, you know? It was the, it was the right field, fielder, you piece of shit. Excuse me, right fielder. <laughs> it was the right fielder. And I'm sitting there envisioning the right field bullpen and saying left fielder at the same time. Sorry. Get a nasty, uh, nasty hook. <laughs> but uh, but to, in, in, in all seriousness, like bringing that back like into, into perspective a little bit, I think these are the weekends that kind of tell you what this team's mental makeup is. And I think they do sweep. I think this team um, – at full strength in particular is way more similar to the 2020 team where they just kind of had the little FU attitude and they didn't really care and they were going to go out and, and, and beat you and beat you bad no matter what your jersey was or what your RPI was or what it was. You know, they just kind of had a bad weekend last week. And I hate that. Mike Bianco loves saying this. That's baseball. But, you know, last weekend was a little bit of that's baseball. Yeah, How do you respond from it? Yeah, a better team won last weekend. And I'm not saying, like, we're going to look up in May and, and I don't think UCF is the better team today, but, like, they played better on those days and they won. So, yeah, um, it was baseball. So, yeah, I, I I think, you know, like we both said, they need to win three games this weekend. I don't really I don't really have much patience for them to lose either any three of these games, if I'm honest. 
I put this in my newsletter this morning, and as of as of the time anyone is listening to this, here's this recording. Uh, oh, this team begins SEC play in 14 days, and their history report is not catastrophic by any means, but they would do well to get healthy. And, and I mean, this sounds dumb, but maybe stop tweaking hamstrings. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, everyone on the mend heading in the next two weeks because they need yeah. to get healthy. Chatney is important. LeFleur is important. Like, get fully healthy going into SEC play because it's going to matter. I would venture to say that uh, Chatney shows up next weekend against ULM and plays. I would bet he's in the lineup next Friday. That's what it sounds like based on Mike did a, a hit on a, on Super Sports Talk Mississippi, okay. TBT, and kind of alluded to that too. And it sounded like – I didn't even know LaFleur was injured. It sounded like he could have played this week and it was just a precaution. So it's not anything major – but you don't also want to enter SEC play where it's as competitive as an SEC and an SEC West is, you know, you name the year, not at full strength. Like, particularly, I mean, like you don't want to lose two or three at Auburn because you're down a couple guys, you know what I mean, then go into some quarterly series at Alabama the next week. You're going to need every oh. single inning in SEC play. Were you aware that Trey LaFleur is the, flash, the fastest player on the team? I had no idea. It's one of those things where on the surface when you say that, it would be like, yes, but at the same time, who else sticks out as you would have thought instead? Uh, the number 10 kid that played quarterback. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> that, that one. Um, other than him, no, no, nobody. But, yeah, I did. I had no idea he was faster than Plumley. I was going to contend Chatagnier without actually any logic. I think Chatagnier is faster because he talks fast. <laughs> He Fair speaks enough. quick, and he's not huge. So it's like, oh, this kid's a little ginner. He's fast. But I don't think that's actually the case. He's not slow. But I think I think I overestimate Chatagnier's speed because of how fast he speaks. <laughs> his, his vocal cords add a tenth of a second to his 60. And that man uh, that man has some energy. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. And, like, you know, not the biggest momentum guys in baseball and all that. But when you talk about emotional leaders when it comes to baseball, yeah. that kid's as close as there ever is going to be to one. And last year it was – you know, it's more him this year. Last year it was he and Servideo, that kind of duo. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Keenan was a pretty quiet guy. Keenan yeah. was uh, – aloof is not the right word. But no, no, it's not like, aloof. Keenan was just kind of like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, we're kicking ass. It's, and any of the guy, like, yeah, this sucked. Like, he never was, was really emotional. I was told Keenan is a guy that – and maybe you've heard this. He doesn't eat pizza or he has never eaten pizzas. Like, there's something weird about his diet that they had to, like, address. Like, there's, like, certain nor- – like, not I shouldn't say normal. But there's, like, certain foods that, like, dude had never eaten in his life. I had his a couple ways over the years. One was quote unquote interesting. Um, and two was a picky five year old. <laughs> One of them I now remember was steak. The man had never eaten it. And I think he loved bread. I think he ate like an inordinate amount of bread. Like I, I think if you handed that man a loaf of bread, he might could polish it off and probably think it was normal. Maybe not even any sort of thing to dip it in. I think he would just take a loaf of bread and eat it. I'm embellishing at this point, but it was stuff like that. It was like, wait a minute, what now? What are you? What is he eating? I love that man. He just rolled out of bed and hit. Yeah, I mean, he, he was not peak physical condition, and I'm not saying like I don't mean that as necessarily a knock, but like he he's not Jose Canseco. He just – my man just showed up to the park and hit. I love that. Give him a glove. I'll play some third base, and he's going to hit nukes. 
better example, he was not Thomas Dillard body wise. It's <laughs> so, a rock out there in left field. Um, but that was kind of all I had. I mean, there, I mean, it's it's you know, this is early March. This is your tune up for SEC play. Like this is this is Belmont. What you go Belmont and then ULM. Yeah, and you have a decent midweek test at Louisiana Tech before you open conference play. But yeah, yeah. I mean, this is kind of just take care of business and and get to SEC play. Like this is this is figure out your lineup, get healthy, and don't lose any dumb games. It's kind of that type of season. Yeah, exactly what it is. So that was about all I had on that. Got any final basketball thoughts before we get out of here? We've been. I mean, it's uh, well, now Friday yeah. officially. Yeah. Um... The women's team, I think – and I want to look this up. They're a win from the tournament after beating Arkansas today. Um, and I want to see who they play because I don't know. But they uh, they knock off number 15 Arkansas on Friday night or Thursday night, and they come into the game last four out. Uh, a team, a women's basketball team, I don't know if you heard of them, uh, they play in Starkville, uh, gets beat on Thursday night, puts themselves in serious danger of making the tournament. Um, so, you know, and we can – I don't want to look break down Ole Miss women's basketball bracketology, but uh, we talked about it a little bit off air. I mean, the, the job she's done to turn that program into something that's, you know, somewhat decent compared to what she took over has is, is frankly been amazing. Remarkable. And they've lost a lot of close games this year. And, and kind of along those lines, you mentioned the job she's Ooh. done. At the same time, this was also kind of make or break year. You know what I mean? She wasn't getting canned this year, but this was the year that was like, okay – you know, talents replenished. Let's see some results. And it, it seems like keeping up from a distance, they lost a ton of close games earlier in the year. And it was yes. kind of a team that figured out how to win. And good on them because that's one of the more gratifying experiences in sports is where you're right on the doorstep trying to break through and actually learning how to finish off these games is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they played Tennessee tomorrow night. And, look, that'll, that'll be tough. I mean, it's Tennessee and women's basketball. But if she can get it done, they will be in the tournament. I think next next Sunday when they announce that, so that'll be that would be cool. Um, because look, and it, I don't think either one of us will lie to you and say we're women's basketball aficionados. I do keep up with Ole Miss, you know, as much as I can. Um, that that program's been through it now. Um, there, there there was some stuff they had to go through last year that, frankly, nobody should have had to go through. Um, but you know, it's it's. Look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the women's basketball is my favorite sport. It's not. But I do I do appreciate how hard she's worked to turn that program around. Agreed. And just to add on top of that, I don't pretend to know Coach Joe. I've met her a couple times just through the year I – mean, through the couple of years she was there and we overlapped while I was in Oxford as well. Seems like a very nice lady. She seems Absolutely. very, very bright and seems to be one of those people. And maybe this is the sense – I know coaches generally are this way by nature. Maybe not all of them, but she seemed maybe – uh, very fit for that job because she had a almost irrationally positive attitude yeah. in a really, really terrible situation. And she would always, the way she articulated things was always incredibly positive and incredibly bright. Like even, without citing stats and where the program actually was, if you just talked to her about the state of a practice one day, you would think that team was about to cut down some nets and the situation uh, and- was not always that good. And so she seems like she always has a very positive attitude and she seems to know what she's doing, and I'm glad she's getting the results. Yeah, and, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, talk about what she took over, but the, the fellow before her, um, there was a lot of issues that she had to deal with when she got here with kids that just didn't want to play this sport anymore and maybe didn't want to be at Ole Miss anymore because their life had been a living hell for the last three years. And, yeah, like you said, I mean, you – you take over a situation like that, you better be positive because what you're taking over, and 
what you were left was was a situation that, man, not a lot of people could deal with. Because um, coach staff before that, man, they they didn't do a great job. What was that guy's name? He yelled at me at Mississippi State one day. What was his Matt, name? Matt Matt Enzel. Not a big fan of Mister Enzel. He yelled at you. Yeah, he. Uh, I may have told this story before. Why the hell not? This might be a better way to – I haven't about. heard this one. Jeez. Yeah, so this just shows the luck I had as a reporter while at the beat in Oxford. So I'm not going to lie, man. Like, I had not covered a women's game in my life. We covered it oh. at, when I was at the DM, but I never went myself. Like, we had people to do it. By yeah. the time, you know, I was in a position to, like, choose that type of stuff, I had staff. Like, I was in the editorial position. Sure. Um, and then, you know, I go work. So my, I leave college and I go work for the athletic department for a year while I'm in grad school. Well, you know, football season comes by. I'm covering the men's basketball games and they tell me I need to start going to some of the women's basketball games. It's like, okay, fine. I don't, not a big deal, whatever. You know, it's my job, whatever they want me to do. Well, the first time they tell me that, I go and talk to the SID and he was like, why don't you come to the game Thursday against state? I was like, perfect. So I get done with class. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, great. I'll head to the arena, assuming the game's at night. Haven't even really checked with Are, are we in we in Starkville or in Oxford here? So that that that's what I'm getting at. So I'm like leaving my house. I'm at my house or condo or whatever I was living at the time. I don't remember. I was living with two dudes. And I get a text. And it's like, bus leaves at 2. And I was like, bus for what? Like, <laughs> what bus? Excuse me? He's like, bus to go to the state game. I was like, this game's in Starkville? <laughs> he was like, yeah. <laughs> The first women's basketball game I'm going to cover, I'm fairly on the road going to Starkville. So I, got, I like hightail it to the to because you know I I mean most like reporters don't travel with the team because right. I'm working in house. So like that year I'm flying to all the football games with the team and all that. So, so so I get there and I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to Starkville tonight. So I get on the bus and you know that was prime Vic. Things were going very south for Insel yeah. Insel. And so, yeah. Um, thing, they, they sucked. They were, they were, yeah. and, and they hated him. It, it, yeah, I can see why. And <laughs> so they, they lose by 50. I'll look up the score. But this was 2017, 2018. So yeah. they lose by a shit ton. And he had made some comment the year before. Yeah, some like McDoubles or something comment. Fans eating like donut bacon cheeseburgers. Yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. And, so they lose, and they just go get absolutely throttled. And after the game – no, excuse me. They didn't get throttled. They technically lost the game by four. It was one of those games where they were within nine or ten the whole game, and then they cut it – like it was like nine or ten with a minute so left. So now he's doubly pissed. A couple of threes went down. They get it to four. They were never in any danger of winning the game, as, right. as oxymoronish as that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> but after the game – because this is the way I framed the question, and I was like – you know, you, you kind of mentioned last year that, you know, the game wasn't competitive and these two programs really far off and the fans weren't even into the game. And I didn't even say the donut bacon cheeseburger part because, one, what the hell does that even mean? And, and two, like, you know, well, like, it's not necessary. And, and before I even finish the question, he goes, do we really have to go over this again? He's like, you're really going to ask right now? And I was like, what? I, I, I was like, what are you talking about? And it just kind of goes on this rant, like talking about how he doesn't want to talk about that. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me like i drug my happy ass over here to have the guy yell at the in-house guy and so and then he goes and asks the sid after the like after the press conference over it's like who's that guy that asked me that question the sid is like oh he works for us he's the in-house guy he's our guy <laughs> we pay him 
Ironically enough, was the about two months before I got the worst Mike Bianco uh, chewing I've ever gotten in my life. Damn. What well, was that? The uh, that was two months later, right before the season started, where he was mad at me for the the. Oh season. yeah, you put the lineup out. Yeah, I've told that story before. So the two worst chewings I've gotten from coaches were when I actually worked for them, and we 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 got the same the paycheck from the same source. So that probably yeah. started my reporting career. Was that when you put the rotation out and it got pissy? Yeah, they asked me to do a preview, and I predicted it accurately. Granted, it went out from the team account, so it, I guess we took that as them releasing the rotation. Which it is wasn't. Nice. It wasn't hard though. <laughs> yeah, and we're also not animals. We could communicate a little bit better than maybe just screaming in my face. You know? <laughs> he did. He got in your face over this. Are you kidding me, dude? He was. He was this far. He basically told me to never enter the stadium again. <laughs> Did he apologize after? Because apparently that's his thing. Like he apologizes the next day. He it was the next Tuesday it was media day, and he apologized. And then after he apologized, he proceeded to tell me while he was sorry. Here's all the reasons why he did it, and he thinks he was right. <laughs> I am sorry for calling you a pos, but here is why you actually are. Yeah, I'm really sorry for shooting you in the chest, um, but at the same time. Like, it's a quick trigger. And to be completely honest, you're really pissing me off, and I feel like you deserved it. Oh, God. So, anyway, that's probably as good a place as any to end because we are getting delirious and going over the hour and a half mark. But, uh, dude, I appreciate this. I appreciate you coming back on. First Mailbag Friday. Honestly, like, from the inventors of Mailbag Friday, this probably couldn't have been anyone else. Um, But I appreciate the time. We'll be back on Monday. I'm going to start doing three pods a week. My middle – I plan to have Buckley on the podcast in the middle of the week, but uh, we we're having some audio issues on, he, on his end. That man is a professional golfer and uh, does not have a working laptop currently. So I'm going to have to put my guy yes. on glass there. Get you a laptop, son. You just made a nice chunk of change. Um, <laughs> anyway, we'll, be, uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, Colin and I will be discussing some baseball on Sunday or Monday if you're up for it. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'll be talking about, uh, you know, maybe the Rebs won't lose to Vanderbilt this weekend so they can make the tournament. Exactly. So we'll have, uh, we'll have some rapid reaction on possibly Sunday night, probably dropping it Monday morning. Uh, again, remind you, check out the newsletter tomorrow. We'll have a Buckley story, some other notes. We'll have some baseball notes throughout the weekend. Uh, podcast work in progress, working on some intro, working on some other cool stuff this weekend. But uh, I appreciate everybody listening. Support this week's been awesome. Kyle and I appreciate you hopping on twice, and uh, we'll do this thing again this weekend. Sounds good, man. Everybody have a safe and happy weekend, happy people's holiday, and we will uh, catch you again.